Abiding harvest. It's right there in the name. Abiding harvest. Both our source and the impact that we hope we make in this world. We've been talking about a love revolution and spending some time focusing on what it means to grow in our love for God. But that's far from the end of the story. That's always the source, the abiding. But when we abide, God takes it as his responsibility to make us fruitful, to make of us a a harvest. He didn't say go harvesting. He said abide. Abide and I'll take care of the harvest. I'll be me in you and through you. It's amazing what can happen when we simply fully embrace that simple formula. Abide in him that his harvest might be known through us. In recent years, maybe in no time comparable in all of history, the country of China has become a harvest field for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you aware of that? In the last 20 or 30 years, there have been days where over a thousand were coming to Christ in that country per day. An incredible revival has broken out in China and in Africa and in other places of this world in these last decades uh, that's really been unprecedented. Most of us in America are hardly aware of it. But God is having a harvest. Many of you know Ruth Graham. It was her hope that her uncle from China, a missionary from China, would have married her and Billy, but he passed away just before that opportunity. But in the years before uh, that was hoped for, he shared a story with her from his days of being a missionary in China. He was there in the early 1900s, really, when when, uh, the Boxer Rebellion broke out. And it broke out in the north, and missionaries were told in those days, go to the provincial governors in the south, and and maybe they will give you refuge, but you have to get there quick. Some didn't make it. Jimmy Graham did. And he was one of the first to go back to decide if the lands in the north after the Boxer Rebellion were were really safe for missionaries to reenter. And when he went back, he was surprised just a week or so after there, after he had been there, people were saying that the foreigner was back and someone sought him out that he would have never imagined. He had heard stories that almost 100 missionaries had gone to one provincial governor in the south who was secretly part of the Boxer Rebellion. And there, instead of refuge, all 100 of them were massacred. Jimmy Graham had friends in that group. And at the time that news came back from hearsay, it was hard to take, hard to believe. Their questions at that time wasn't, God, how could you make something good out of something so bad? Their questions were simply, why? And then Jimmy gets a visitor, someone he doesn't recognize. He's told he's at the gate. He's a very harsh looking man. He has an accent that gives him away as one from the north. Do you really want to see him? He said, yes, show him in. And 
pour us some tea. And they sat down together. And as they sat down, this gentleman that he didn't know looked around the room. And he says, what's behind that door? And he says, well, that's my kitchen. And what's behind that door? And he says, well, that, that's another family room. And what's behind that door? And Jimmy Graham said, you're a guest in my house. You have no business asking what's behind my doors. And he says, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to know we were alone. So why is that of concern to you? And he says, well, I've come to ask you a very important question. Have you heard of the massacre at Shanai? And he says, yes, I've heard. And his guest said, I was there. And immediately anger surfaced in Jimmy's heart. You, you were there? He said, yes, I was not just there. I was I was the captain of the bodyguard. I was the one that gave the signal that day from the governor to, to massacre all those people. He said, you know, and I didn't care. I've never cared about anybody else. That's one of the things that makes me such a good soldier, such a good executioner. But he said, that day I saw something I'd never forget. The governor had berated them. And then shocked them that they were not to be protected there, but they would be massacred in moments. And as we lowered our guns at them, I saw something I've never seen. He said, I saw husbands and wives turning towards each other, giving up each other tender kisses. And when their children sensed that there was something horribly wrong, I, I watched them pull their little ones up in their arms and comfort them and point all together they were pointing and saying something about Yeshui. Yeshui. And they turned back as us as if they had not a care. They just kept staring into the sky. And before I gave the signal to shoot, to open fire, they began singing. And the only thing that stopped their song was their death. I've never seen anything like that. And I knew if there was a God, Yeshua must be him. And so I've come to you. I understand that you're a missionary. And I wonder if there's forgiveness for a man who's done something so horribly wrong as I. Jimmy Graham felt a spirit in himself that hadn't been there a moment ago. Is there forgiveness? And he talked of words that were strange and foreign to this soldier's ears. Words like love. Words like forgiveness. Life. And he strained to understand this new paradigm. But before he left that day, he left as one who had received Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Jimmy Graham pondered so many times, why did so many Christians have to die then? They were scattered like seed across a country. And then he realized maybe he was witnessing a beginning of the answer. God was starting a harvest. What happens when you grow to Love the Lord so much that you can even see through death the glory of the one in whom you trust. 
When you love God like that, love like that can change anything. Love like that can change anyone. And so we come Sunday after Sunday to partake of that kind of love. That that kind of love might live within us. That abiding, our God might have his harvest. We come this morning to receive of that love. We come to abide in him that he might live in us. On the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to you, our Father. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he looked into the heavens. He gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many, for you, and for a harvest. In my name. So, Lord God, we pray that you pour out your spirit on these gifts of juice and bread, but also make them a point of contact for our faith that we might receive all that they symbolize that we might partake of your very essence, that you might, by your Spirit, empower us to live as you lived because you now live in us. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.